Hi guys, and welcome to the Fight Side Boxing Podcast. I'm Lukash, as always, and um, a busy episode for us this week. We had uh, we had four major fights. I'm only really going to be able to talk about three of them because I wasn't able to see Sebastian Fundora versus uh, Mendoza, the big upset. Um, so instead, I will talk about the three main events that did happen. Um, I'll talk about Shakur Stevenson versus Shirichiro Yoshino, which was Stevenson's debut at 135 pounds. Um, not a title fight, but you know, a decent test uh, in which he performed ex- excellently. Uh, then I'll be talking about Jesse Rodriguez against um, Christian Gonzalez, which was uh, again his uh, debut in new weight. This one, this time stepping down a division down to 112 pounds. To um, this, uh, in this case, he did challenge for a title. Well, um, and I will talk about um, Kenjiro Tirachi in his. Uh, very fun uh, performance against um, Anthony Olasquega, who uh, showed, you know, he was always going to likely to lose, but uh, he showed up pretty well for a five-fight noise in against one of the best fighters in the world, and that's a fun fight to talk about, uh, so I'll talk about at the end. And yeah, then uh, I will mention Fundora versus, um, versus uh, Mendoza, but not go deep into it. Um, I won't really be talking about anything other than the main events. Uh, there are a couple of fights. Uh, I will talk very briefly about Keishon Davis, and I will talk briefly about um, the other big upset of the weekend, which was um, Marlon Tapales, who won an upset victory to relieve um, Akhmedaliev of his belts, Merdogan Akhmedaliev, at um, Super Bantam, £122, um, which, you know, makes it a bit relevant. But again, I don't have, just have, I just don't have time to talk about everything because uh, there's shit less to do, so... Yeah, I'll talk about those. Um, but yeah, let's kick off with uh, Shikov Stevenson um, against uh, Shirucho Yoshino. Um, and this wasn't a title fight, but it was, you know, significant. It was his step up to 135 pounds officially after he had to, after he blew weight last time um, against Conte Sao. And uh, I'd put it this way. It was a very good performance by Stevenson, who was clearly... You know, taking on the criticisms and decided he needs to become more exciting and not necessarily aggressive, but more, yeah, a bit more aggressive and exciting. Uh, and he definitely did that. But it is also fair to say that Yoshino was built for him in a lot of ways. Um, but still, he looked excellent. He looked, you know, his timing, his range, his speed, his accuracy, all of that is just bang on, spot on. And Yoshino was just, uh, he was always going to struggle to get past that, and he did. But the reason for me that uh, Yoshino was a particularly good opponent, a friendly opponent for um, Stevenson was this. Uh, I I did call this out in my preview, and I think it proved pretty much exactly right. Yoshino's head movement is quite predictable. Um, He just goes tick-tock left and right. You know, he he almost never does anything other than swing back to the middle, swing to the other side, swing back to the middle, swing to the other side. And Stevenson was going to very quickly get a read on that. I mean, he, had, he will have seen that before they went in. And just jab him as he comes up the middle, not just hit him hit him as he's in the middle. And uh, yeah, Stevenson pretty quickly started to work out, um, work out how to manipulate that. And um, to, you know, to his credit, um, Yoshino did try to do something else than the TikTok movement, but that something else was always just ducking down, and Stevenson started, uh, you know, throwing up a left hand into his face. So, um, so it wasn't all that useful to him. And yeah, um, the commentators caught it very quickly as well. Um, he was throwing a jab and then following it with a with a left hand. Stevenson being a southpaw, basically baiting the movement, throwing up the jab and then following up, usually with a straight left, sometimes with a left cut. Um, and yeah, he started doing that around two or three. 
I would say that the knockdown around two um, was a mix because he did get him to you know um, react. Now he came in with a jab and come to react, but um, he wasn't throwing the right hand immediately after. Um, but in a way that was even you know not a negative. It's even more of a positive for Stevenson because he saw. Uh, Yoshino do something weird which he kind of he dropped down but he also stepped around uh, and left himself a bit square 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 on but off to the side sort of thing and Stevenson saw what had happened very fast and reacted immediately uh, and just didn't lose form um, while throwing his left hand and that was part of why it, it did the damage it did and knocked Yoshino down and this is a thing about Patrick or Stevenson and it is a very much a positive. It is going to make it interesting. At some stage, someone will test this. He is so good at maintaining perfect shape. He just never seems to be... Like, nothing is ragged. Everything is straight lined. Everything is uh, exactly where he needs it to be. There is one tiny concern I have, uh, where in this fight he was always... Um, leaning to his own left Stevenson is always ducking left to avoid what Yoshino is throwing like in a way that does make me concerned that if he does that all the time against other fighters you know he could get trapped having to come up pop up into into something um, he did have his feet stable under him he wasn't in balance while doing it and it's also quite possible that this was just from Yoshino because he saw Yoshino's lifts and that was a way to avoid him or it may be a trap that he's sitting, not just for Yoshino, but for future fighters, you know. I think he was smart enough with that, uh, not sand, well, yeah, you'd call it sandbagging, I suppose you could. Um, I, you know, I don't know if he is, but um, just having, you know, having something hidden, uh, yeah, you know, not specifically setting up a trap for future opponents, but, you know, having something that Yoshino didn't, he didn't need to use against Yoshino, so he'll save it um, for the future, but I don't know that. Um, and... Like I say, uh, you know, he was even while he was ducking left, what seemed to be too far, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't off balance. Like his feet were fine. You'd have to push him further than that to uh, to get him off balance. And Yoshino just was not that guy. Um, and yeah, basically the thing with Shakur Stevenson is the guy who's going to test him is a guy who can get inside into the pocket and then keep him there. And uh, of the guys at the top, I don't know who that is because I don't think it's Devin Haney. Um, you know, if Haney does stay this way after fighting Loma. Loma would very clearly be an incredibly tough test for Stevenson once he's inside. Like, that, was real, that would really be the answer um, that we need to, you know, if he can deal with, with uh, Loma there. But I'm not at all sure that Stevenson needs to get inside with, uh, with Vasily Lomachenko. He's just... Um, Loma's big weakness is that like, he's pretty decent at range and he's obviously magical on the inside um, Stevenson I'm not going to talk too much about Loma Stevenson is uh, one of the best there is um, at controlling the opponent's approach at make, you know, not allowing the opponent to approach on their own terms um, yeah it's hard to talk about this fight just because Stevenson was too, you know, it's just too too well made. Like Yoshino tried, but he just didn't have anything. Like Yoshino, he pitches forward when he's coming coming at his opponent, and it just for Stevenson, just slide back and pop, pop him with left hands, little left uppercuts, little little, you know, just little popping shots. And uh, Yoshino had nothing for him. I'm, you know, I'm so, so sorry, not going into super deep analysis on this, but I should get into some. So I will. <laughs> Lampard transition there. Um, 
Yeah, the thing with Shakur Stevenson that was different in this performance, I would say, was he's learning more and more how to sit in the pocket and box. And like I say, Steve, uh, um, Yoshino is not the um, is not going to be the acid test of this. But you can see the things that Stevenson has been learning, and that is he moves his feet just tiny little bit. He shifts back. Like watch his feet. If you watch him exchange in the pocket a couple of times. Uh, throughout this fight just watch his front foot it just shifts back slightly where previously he was hopping back he will just shift slightly back with his front foot and then slightly back with his left and just these tiny little adjustments and tiny little steps left and right you know not circling his opponent but um, but meaning that his opponent would have to circle him to or at least change the angle to to stay in front of him and uh and Yoshino just isn't able to do that with any, you know, with any real um, consistency. Yoshino's answer to that is basically just to lean over in one direction or another without his feet following, which was part of why Stevenson was able to, you know, fuck him up. Um, he knocked him down in the second, he knocked him down in the fourth. And the second knockdown was real, genuine, you know, the first one was a counter catching Yoshino off balance. The second one was him, was uh, Stevenson genuinely just stepping in and, you know, launching a combination at a... Uh, a one, well, not a one-two, but a two-punch combination on a on Yoshino's chin, and you know that was a genuine, it was a genuine power move, and you know he was he was kind of flexing when he did that. Uh, he's kind of broken Yoshino's will to come forward temporarily, but it was also just you know showing yes, I can attack, I can be aggressive uh, with my you know with my punching, and it really worked. Yeah, like I say, it's a worrying sign for him for his opponents in the division. Um, I, I would be very interested to see Keyshawn Davis, who was also on the card, um, is at that division, and I'm not sure he's ready for Stevenson yet, but he'll be very close. And obviously the one I really want to see is uh, Andy Cruz, uh, who is supposedly... I mean, he has escaped Cuba and more hopefully preparing for his pro debut, but um, there is no signs of that yet. But, you know, I would love to see him against Shakur Stevenson. Okay, final observations. Uh, the other thing about Shakur Stevenson that I have previously had criticism of him for, you know, as <laughs> as uh, um, pretentious as that sounds, me criticising an Olympian, etc. Um, yeah, he has previously seemed a bit straight-lined, and that just wasn't on show today. Though he was not just um, angling out, as you know, he'd be in the pocket and then angle out from the pocket, but um, he'd punish Yoshino as he did so. You know, check hooks all the time, like little punch and the slip out of the way and, and depart depart from the pocket at, at a side angle and you know Yoshino found that very difficult to deal with uh, but yeah it was just a really really good performance but it was against you know it was against a guy who was kind of made for him um, but I don't want to take away from the fact that S Stevenson looked really fan fucking fantastic and uh, and has clearly been working on you know taking on the criticisms and known how to answer them because sometimes you see boxers um take on the criticism that they're too negative and just be more aggressive, just try to throw more punches without thinking about what that means and then they give up their what they're good at, their defence and uh, Stevenson hasn't done that, he's clearly been working over the last few fights, over the last year or so on incorporating keeping his defence keeping his skills, not you know, not just uh, like yeah, he can he has a good good guard and a good active guard and all of that stuff. But what he's best at is manipulating range and playing with the range of his opponent and the timing. And he has been working on how to use that to be an inside pocket boxer as well as a range boxer. And that's what really makes him 
like a really high level prospect. He isn't trying to change his game, not reinvent his game to be a different fighter. He's trying to bring the strengths he already has to be in the pocket. And that you know, that would be fantastic. If he pulls that off, that you know, that'd be that'd be incredible. Okay. And yeah, the fight ended when uh the referee just decided Yoshino was taking too much punishment, basically. He lent in again, you know, he was charging for a, for, for a, to throw a combination, and he lent in, and he got caught with another uppercutty hooky type thing, and shovel, shovel shot, I guess you'd call it. Um, I may, my terminology may be inaccurate here. In any case, the referee, he kind of wobbled back and st- stood still for a second. He wasn't uh, on the verge of being knocked out with that shot, but... Um, but he wasn't right. He was, you know, not responding properly for a second or two, and the referee just went, "Ah, that's enough." Um, and yeah, so just nice aggressive performance from Shakur Stevenson. Okay, the other fight on that card that I want to briefly mention uh, was, like I say, Keishawn Davis, um, who fought Anthony Yigit, a former European champion, um, and a couple of times world title challenger, I believe. And you know, it was one of those. It's a step up for Davis. Um, it was also kind of, you know, you didn't really see where Yigit was going to beat him. Um, it may have been, it could have been a test, it wasn't really. Um, but, yeah, the thing with Kishon Davis, the reason why, you know, we want him to get to to the level where he can fight someone like Shakur Stevenson as soon as possible, well, Shakur Stevenson specifically, is he is, this is also a fight of aggressive pocket boxing from Davis, but, but um, Keishaw Davis is more naturally that guy than Shakur Stevenson. He isn't really having to learn, you know, he has to polish it and all of that, but he isn't learning it from the from the grounding principles. That's who he is, a pocket boxer who is becoming, you know, learning how to use his power in the pro game. And what he's really good at is, you know, trapping his opponent. You know, even when they're in open space, his opponents find it difficult to escape. Um, you know, and he's also good at pushing into the ropes. But he's good at cutting off the exits and finding little, you know, throwing little double hooks. You know, he'll throw throw uh, a hook and a hook, a hook to the body with the left hand twice. But there'll be two separate, different left hooks. So the opponent will have reacted to one, and he'll, you know, he'll find the gap with the other one, and then he'll come in with the with the uh, with the right hand. And he's just really good at manipulating his opponents in the pocket. Um, and that is exactly what we want to see tested from Stevenson. That fight won't be, you know, won't be this year. It probably won't be next year. But who, you know, who knows if if Davis is confident enough? He has to be a European level fighter. Um, he did outsize him a bit, but um, you know, we'll we'll see. It's you know, I'm not going to go into depth on that one, but um, it will be nice to see. It just be hopefully, hopefully, we'll see him progress pretty quickly from here on out. Um, Jared Anderson beating up George Arias in the heavyweights is probably the other significant fight from that card and Jared Anderson is the sort of one of uh, America's heavyweight hopes but um, I didn't see that fight so I'm not going to comment on it so I am going to move on to Jesse Bam Rodriguez and his you know, debut at um, 112 pounds that is uh, flyweight um, coming down from Superfly uh, which he has abandoned his title set here last year in order that his brother Joshua can have an sort of uninterrupted run at the uh, at those titles there, um, and you know he is a, he, he can sort of develop at uh, 112, uh, um, and we'll see how that goes. This was a title fight. It was for a vacant um, a vacant. Um, fuck's sake! I had this open a second ago and I fucking closed it. It was for a vacant WBO uh, be- um, belt against Christian Gonzalez, who was you know not super well known. Um, 
but you know, a scazzy amount before uh, before the fight. He he had no real world level experience, but he looked he looked to me like he had the style to not you know I didn't expect him to beat Bam, but I had expected him to have a style that would cause Bam trouble um, with certain things, and that proved pretty much exactly right. Um, he has he had the kind of movement to. Um, to stomp Bam's, you know, Bam loves his inside angles, his um, his his switches of um, not stance, but it, like, you know, spinning around his opponent and sending them off at the right angle and catching them as as they go, and you know, Lomachenko or Orlando Canizel is that kind of thing, um, and uh, Christian Gonzalez, not Israel Gonzalez, before him, um, did very very well at turning with, um, with Rodriguez. To prevent that happening, and in this case, also stepping out as he turned, and you know, putting a distance between him and um, and Gonzalez, and at um, throwing intercepting shots as well to make that movement even harder. All of that I thought was going to happen, and all of it did. The thing that I didn't expect was Bam eating more shots than I thought he was going to, and I think he thought he was going to, because um, Christian Gonzalez proved to be also very good at. Um, Disguising his shots until very late. Um, that you know that thing where he's he looks like he's throwing downstairs, or you're just not sure where he's throwing, and then it comes upstairs very late. And that's you know tricky, a tricky thing to do, and it's a tricky thing enough to against defend against anyway. But um, Bam Rodriguez has a really good active guard, which means you know he looks at what his opponent's throwing and brings his hands up and down to cover for that. Um, he's really fucking good at that. But he found himself. Not bamboozled, but tricked, and found himself bringing his his arm, his hand down to cover for a shot that was going upstairs, or vice versa, several times. And I think that's what caused the jaw break. He broke his jaw in the sixth round, and I think that's what you know, partly what contributed to it was that he thought the shot was coming downstairs, and it just whipped across the jaw and broke his jaw. So, you know, there were things from from Gonzalez that were, um, yeah, really neat. But Bam, you know, Bam is just a really elite talent, really elite. And, you know, even when you poker things, uh, you know, in this case, he was, again, he was fighting a guy who uh, who was specifically targeting his strength. So he just did other things. He became a more, um, I wouldn't say more relentless, that's not true. He's always relentless, but more um, patient, uh, you know, Bit more classical style uh, pressure fighter, you know, behind the jab, roll in, catch on the gloves, start throwing body shots, and he really loves those body shots. Um, yeah, just a bit more of a destroyer type where he, he will now, you know, if he can't get around his opponents, he will go, okay, if I'm not using, you know, if I'm not dancing around my opponent, then I can sit on my punches and really deliver with power. Um, it's quite surprising that he didn't get Gonzalez out of there, but, you know, again, Gonzalez was not. He wasn't there to. He wasn't there just to get to twelve, but um, but he was very. You know, his game plan was very defensive. Was very disengaged, disengaged. So so Gonzalez, uh, um, so uh, Rodriguez did. You know, find it. He didn't find it tricky to find him, but he found it tricky to keep him pinned. Uh, but you know, it was nonetheless a good performance. And yeah, I just really love the way he he. Um, he he works a body. He like I say, he delivers his power. If he can't like us. Like I say, if he can't get around his opponent, um, uh, he does have that ability in him to sit on his power and uh, deliver really hard shots uh, in, in close and, you know, really work his opponent 
in the pocket while he's got them there without you know spinning around them to keep them there or to uh, to completely befuddle them which is a just a really good thing to see from someone that young he's still only 23 you know he's going to be so good uh yeah um it will be interesting to see where he goes next because um you know he kind of him and his coach kind of talked themselves into a fight with Sonny Edwards, but um, then the Rock and Jaw is probably going to leave him out a bit too long for for Edwards to want to wait that long. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, but um, I mean, I just love watching Bam Rodriguez. I love the way he uh, he scoots in. You know, even when he's being this more heavy-handed individual, you watch his feet. He's still constantly shifting, constantly. Um, changing his balance even when he's not dancing he's a bit, a bit like Shakur Stevenson um, I mentioned just there um, it's kind of like they're never going to be similar fighters but it's almost like Shakur is aiming to be in the pocket what um, what um, Rodriguez already is when he has to be where he's sitting down on the shots but also like just shifting back and taking this thing off things and uh, just shifting angles very slightly with his feet and his head to find the roots it's just a, such a good, such a good fighter and, you know one of the things that i really like that he does is um sometimes you know he he'll get in close behind the jab but sometimes he'll not throw the jab step in anyway and his opponent will be expecting the jab and he'll come in with his left hand instead like as the lead punch you know not switching stances um him being a southpaw but just uh you know, he'll, he'll fake the jab, or even not even fake it, but step in in a way that he had previously jabbed with, and his opponent will go, okay, I'm going to put my hands up now to prevent the jab, and instead a body shot comes in, or a uh, left hand to the head around the side instead of a jab up the middle. Um, you know, he's just, he's constantly, like the best fighters do, constantly looking at what his opponent's doing, and trying to train his opponent into reacting to certain things so he can do other things. And he's just so composed and so constantly knows what his opponent is trying to do. I would say he probably went a little bit too hard, a little bit too early, and that was part of what got him caught with this shot that broke his jaw. Um, you know, that happens. That's not a big flaw. It was, you know, fight IQ thing. Yeah, maybe he went too soon, but he was perfectly entitled to, you know, he had been hurting, uh, hurting Gonzalez to the body. Um, and just decided I'm going to go for it and didn't quite pay off but you know even Lomachenko did that against Linares um, I would like to leave you with you know one thing to watch for when you're watching this fight watch Gonzalez uh, watch Rodriguez's watch Bam's hips watch the way he shifts his angles when he's in the pocket by I mean it's not his hips it's his whole body but you can see it in his uh, in his hips in uh He's just twitching this way and that a little bit, and it's just changing the whole angle of his uh, of his stance, even when he's not, you know, dropping his shoulders and coming off centre line. Um, he's just changing the angle of his hips and shoulders. Um, that is a high level thing to do in that po- in that situation in the pocket, you know, while throwing, and to do that and maintain balance. He's just from the ground up, from the feet up. He is just poised all the time, even when he gets frustrated. Um, which is going to make him very difficult to beat. Um, and nonetheless, I'm not sure that I would... I don't know who I'd pick between him and Sonny Edwards. Like, I, I enjoy watching them both. Just stylistically, Bam is more my kind of, you know, the kind of guy, you know, growing up, my favourite boxer was uh, Joe Calzaghe. Bam is a bit closer to that uh, style than Sonny Edwards. Um, 
but you know, I, I love watching both. I just want to see them fight, to be honest. But yeah, okay. Um, the other big thing on that fight, on that card, like I say, was um, Murujan Akhmedaliev um, losing to uh, Marlon Zapanis. I can't really comment on that properly because I didn't watch the full fight. Um, I haven't watched it yet. I'll, you know, I would at some stage, but I haven't been able to yet. Um, it's fair to say that Akhmedaliev started slowly, though, from what I saw. Like he started to come on at the end, but he started too slowly and. I was surprised by that, but at the same time, you know, he has he has had a weird career. Like there've been times when I've seen him where it's been like, "What the fuck is happening here?" And then, um, you know, the last time he fought this really composed fight against Ronda Rios. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he needs adversity. Like maybe he was overlooking Tapales, who he should have been, you know, he should have been way too good for. For uh, um, I mean, Tapales isn't uh, old. He's uh, thirty-one, but uh, but the level he's been at and lost at, and yeah, it's just a uh, just a weird one, but. Um, it does make the division, I mean, interesting. It's an interesting division already. It's one of the best divisions. Um, and Inoue's coming up into it. Fortune may not stay here after Inoue, but Inoue will be here. Uh, and uh, Tension. Tension uh, made his debut in this division. Uh, I'll talk about that in a second. Not very much, because you know it's not that much to say. But, um, but he'll be in this division. And he may be looking at Tapales as a possible opponent, which is why I pick him up. Because he has claimed that he wants... To fight for a world title, he wants to win a world title quicker than Lomachenko, um, and Lomachenko won his in three fights. So Tension would have to win it next. And uh, you know, I'll go on it in a second. I don't think he'd beat Tapales looking the way he did in that fight, but um, that would be the route because the other route would be no way or no way, and he's not beating any way. Like that would be the money fight. I mean, I say in a way. If in a way beats Fulton, it would be in a way. Um, I am not at all, you know, I said that like I am convinced that in a way bit sort of, no, I am not at all convinced of that. It, you know, anyway. Um, but tension isn't beating fortune either, so. Anyway, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Um, and like, like I say, I'll talk about tension in a second. Um, after, after I talk about the main event of that card, which was um, Kenshiro Tiraji against Anthony Olesquaga, who was a late replacement. This was supposed to be Jonathan Gonzalez, um, which would have been like the big fight in the division, the unification, um, prove the top dog, all of that stuff. Um, but um, Jonathan Gonzalez contracted pneumonia. Pneumonia. pneumonia um, he contracted pneumonia, so he couldn't. And they dug out uh, Olesquaga, who was a former training partner of um, of Kenshiro. And, um, and he stepped up um, on... I think it was a couple of weeks notice, you know, it wasn't like five days or anything, but um, but late notice and decided to go for it. And uh, he showed up well, like, he is clearly a talented fighter. He's 24, so um, so he's, you know, getting into that age, but um, where he should be showing his prime, well, beginning to show his prime, but he is basically a novice. He's had four fights, uh, five fights as a pro, six now, and uh, he didn't have much of an amateur career that I saw at all. Um, and you know, apparently he's had a lot of high-level sparring and coaching, and is well regarded. Like he he sparred with uh, Kenshiro, but um, but you know, no pro experience. And you know, I don't, I didn't think he was going to win coming into this. I did see people who were familiar with him saying, you know, maybe he's got a chance here, and you could see why in in the middle rounds, in the later, uh, you know, shortly before the knockout, you could see why. But um, but he was raw in ways that um, that Taraji was really always going to be able to exploit. What I would say is he started learning on the during the fight. So Kenshiro 
Hitcher has one of the best jabs in the sport, and he has um, he is very good at working the body. And Olaskaga um, initially, his jab, his guard is, is just fucking terrible. Like he didn't really have one. And I, you know, I saw this in earlier fights, and he just didn't seem to have. You know, he 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 has a guard. He has his hands up. But the way he holds them, it's open down the middle and it's open to the body. Like he does nothing to to stop any shots like that. So Kenshiro with his jab and his body work was always going to find a joy. But at the end of the fight, he'd close those angles off a lot more. Like not completely, but he was closing them off a lot more. And he was starting to find ways to pressure Kenshiro. You know, initially I thought his footwork, his footwork was kind of like, he kind of goes with what his opponent's doing. Um, which was something Kenshiro used to do and doesn't anymore. Um, and he would find himself leading, uh, falling into Kenshiro's traps, letting Kenshiro lead him and falling into his traps. And early on he did, and later on he started imposing himself a bit, not consistently, but there were moments when he really did get Kenshiro doing what he wanted Kenshiro to be doing. So he was improving as the fight went on, but it wasn't enough. And the reason for that is Kenshiro is just one of the most creative fighters um on the circuit. The thing about Kenshiro for me is he's never going to be the number one pound for pound guy, I don't think, because he's just a little bit too vulnerable. Um, you know, he's hittable and he's a bit hurtable when he gets hit, even in this fight. Um, there was a moment where he looked like he might be running out of steam a bit and he was clearly bothered by shots. Um, so so he's not, you know, he's not just going to tank his way through, through anything he gets hit by. Um, and he has improved on that since his uh, shock loss to Masamichi Yaku, um, Yabuki, but um, but yeah, I think it's always going to be there. Like he's not, he's never going to get rid of of it completely. He just sometimes gets caught with his chin up in the air, slightly off off stance because uh, and it kind of like he can't really. It's going to be difficult for him to get rid of it because the you know the simplest way to get rid of it wasn't would be not to do the footwork things that get him into those positions, but they're part of his game. And so we move on to the positives. He's just so fucking good at moving, just, again, like I've talked about with Stevenson and um, Bam, um, the little angle shifts and uh, just constant steps, sideways sideways circling steps, and uh, in and out, at the, you know, at the same time, and shifting his, uh, his um, weight back and forward. His opponent never knows where he's going to be. Um, you know, sometimes they'll throw something at him and catch him anyway, but um, but they can never be sure where he's going to be, and they can never know exactly where his next punch is coming from. And he's so good at also um, disguising his shots. Like, um, you know, he'll throw what looks to be something to the body and goes upstairs, all that kind of stuff. He throws creative combinations, like weird ones uh, that you don't often see. Like I say, he has one of the best jabs in the sport. Um, he's just offensively one of the best fighters going um i would go so far to say if we're comparing him to other fighters you know around the weights i mean the obvious comparison is nayo Inoue, and Inoue is definitely a better fighter than kenshiro but he's not a better fighter because of his offense like his power comes into it but uh, Inoue is a better fighter than kenshiro because he's a better defensively um my feeling is and you know i'm not going to say i am i am the law um, my, my point of view is that Kenshiro is better at setting up his attacks than Inoue in is. Inoue is at heart a counterpuncher, and when his opponent says no, you you do the work, um, you have to find me. Um, you know, against lower level opponents and lower weights, he was able to just blow through them. Now he has a couple of times found himself a bit 
um, not befuddled or even close to losing, but um, you can kind of see where he's picking one shot at a time. Kinshiro doesn't do that. Kinshiro is just constantly finding ways to confuse his opponent about what's happening. Right? I know his opponents are confused. They're just unable to stop it. He's so far so accurate. And occasionally, you know, his movement, um, his, uh, he does this, just something great with his footwork that, uh, that they're unable to keep up with. Um, but I don't think they're ever, well, they are sometimes, but they're not like unable to predict what he's going to do. Whereas with Kenshiro, it is very hard to predict, you know, anything that he's going to throw or do or, um, you know, where he's going to move. And, uh, it just makes him really exciting. He's a really cool fighter to watch um, for me. Like one of my favourites to watch at the moment. Um, he's a really good direction changer um, and really, really good at generating power. While you know, he's not actively moving backwards, but while on the back foot, he'll generate power. Like just stop and throw, you know, really hard. Um, while you know, he doesn't seem to need long to set, take long to set, set his feet. He's just really so. You know, Kaga would be trying to push in at him, and uh, Kenshiro would just just clock him um, and you know not many fighters can do that even the best like even, you know I was talking about earlier about um, Shakur Stevenson um, you know he is an outboxer um, when he wants to deliver power he sits on his punches he stops still um, and Kinshiro doesn't really have to do that he knows how to um, really deliver hurtful shots while moving while angling off while stepping back um, you know the actual practical physical effect is not he's stepping off while throwing the punch because that would be ridiculous. <laughs> but um, but he integrates it so smoothly. You know he'll step through, he'll set up the punch as he's stepping, throw the punch while he's stopped, and then step off again. Um, he times that also well most of the time. Um, that it just makes him it makes him really difficult to pressure because because he can deliver that power. And when he wants to go on the front foot, um, he knows how to do that too. Um, and yeah, basically in the eighth round, Kenshiro looked like he was starting to get a bit tired, and uh, the Squaga really did start to pressure him effectively. Landed quite a few good shots on his chin, and Olaskwaga definitely won the round. And you would kind of start, you know, earlier in the fight, I'd be kind of going, you know, it may be time to stop this to save Olaskwaga from himself. And then in the eighth round, it was like mm, he might, he might put something off here. And then in the ninth round, um, Kenshiro just went, you know, enough of this shit, and, uh, <laughs> and stepped on the gas, and uh, and pushed him. Yeah, yeah, he he threw a combination that uh, that knocked um, Oluskaga through the ropes, and the referee just went straight away. No, um, you're done. Uh, that looked to some people, in, you know, include in, initially, I went, you know, well, he he could get up here. Um, why has he stopped him? But it became pretty clear he was still woozy on a stool for a couple of minutes afterwards. So um, the referee just saw um, just saw what was going on and um, and stopped it. Um, yeah. Kenshiro is really cool, and he is um, the champion of, I think, two, um, let me just check that quickly, um, he holds, yeah, the WBA and the WBC uh, light flyweight title, he is, you know, clearly the number one fighter in that division, but Jonathan Gonzalez is around, uh, um, you know, he's won one of the Ibuki, but um, I'm not sure he... He needs the uh, the rematch or the one with the Kigushi, but um, yeah. Okay, Nonchinga is cool. He has a Nonchinga has just announced a fight, I believe. Um, well, I would have to look that up because um, yeah, it's not on Boxrock yet, but it has just been announced um, that um, 
Shingo is fighting his mandatory challenger, um, Reggie Suganob, who I am completely unfamiliar with, but I will, you know, will look up. But um, he will obviously be hoping to win that fight so he can challenge Kenshiro, which would be a really exciting fight. I'd pick Kenshiro for reasons I will go into if it ever happens. Um, but this is a really exciting division, a lot going on. Um, okay, other things that happened on the card. Um, Takuma Inoue won his uh, world title. He always should have done it was against a 41-year-old Libero Solis. And, you know, you saw the limitations. Takuma Inoue is not his brother. He is, just isn't athletically good enough. And technically, he's completely fine. Um, but he isn't, you know, super special and he's never going to be, you wouldn't have thought. Which, you know, that sounds like, you know, damning. It is a bit damning with faint praise. He fights, I said this uh, a couple of places, to be honest, in uh, during the fight. He fights a lot like... The old school, not old school, um, from a few years ago, from about five to ten years ago, there was a uh, just a, a bunch of British fighters who fought in a very similar way. Um, this, you know, straight line, very, um, very well scored, um, in and out movement, um, not so much on the angles. Uh, some had more power than others, but they were none of them were like super aggressive power punches of pressure fighters they they just kind of played on the edge of range jabbed a lot um through little short combinations um you know just a classic um t- terry flanagan anthony crawler the mcdonald twins um you know that kind of thing and uh, takuma in a way fights so much like that and it's fine it's entertaining it wasn't a bad fight by any means but it also wasn't that exciting and he did a let um let him Solis get a good start before he started to kind of take, not to even take over, but, you know, be winning towards the end. And yeah, he deserved his title. Um, he threw up a, a quite a sad post-fight speech where he was basically, you know, the, the gist of it seemed to be, I'm going from the translation and then, you know, through my own recollection of it. But um, it, the gist of it was basically, you know, I am not in, I am not, no, I am not my brother, but um, I always have to, you know, live with that, but I have managed this and I will try to unify the division. Um, yeah, he's, you know, well done. Um, the kind of the, uh, the shiny thing on the card was um, was tension, obviously. Um, there was another fight between um, Jin Sasaki, who is a 21-year-old like, power puncher at welterweight now. And he's uh, he's a vulnerable kid. He got his ass kicked by Andy Hiroaka down at 140. Um, I think it was uh, last uh, two years ago now. Um, but um, he's moved up. He's fought you know a lot since then. <laughs> he fought uh, three times last year, um, and uh, this was his second fight this year. So he's you know really decided. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna move up and really go for it. And he just throws bombs. Um, he's exciting. Um, is he ever gonna be world level? Not sure. He fought Kita Ibarra, who um, he has kind of been around, but um, you know he lost a few fights in 2018 and all that. Uh, hasn't been at the top world level since then, but he's you know been fighting in Japan, doing fine, and he you know it was a good mugfest. Uh, Sasaki got knocked down in the second round and then knocked his opponent out in the third. You know, uh, yeah. The yeah, like I say, the kind of shiny event. And apparently in Japan it was the main event, um, you know, even though it happened sort of in the middle of the card. It was Tension's debut. Um, not too much to say, you know, he was fighting Yuki Yonaha, who is not fast enough to trouble him. You know, he's a decent level of fighter for a debut, but, um, you know, he's just not fast enough to, to, to deal with Tension. Um, it went to a decision which, you know, if, if you know, 
For a guy making his debut, that's fine. For a guy who wants to be fighter for a world title in his next fight, not so much. But I don't think that's really realistic unless his handlers just want to, or himself, just want to throw himself under the bus. Um, but yeah, he has, you know, he's really fucking fast. He has nice hands. He throws nice combinations. He needs to unlearn the upright kickboxing stance um, and start learning how to slip and properly tuck his chin and all of that kind of stuff. Um and I kind of, I think he needs to learn, not even learn, he needs to figure out what, who he wants to be. Because he was kind of, you know, he wants to be an aggressor, sure. But what does that mean? You know, not just winding up big punches and relying on your speed to to get them home and then get away. He needs to figure out how he's going to, how he's going to set those up. I don't think he has a game plan yet. And um, he has to if he's going to succeed, you know. The, the the speculation would be if he wants to fight for a world title in the second fight and the new way beats Fulton they'd throw him in there that would be insanity he can't fight anywhere like that so you know we'll see what happens hopefully he isn't that delusional to do that that soon he, you know he's clearly he's only 24 and he's ridiculously athletic if you've never seen his kickboxing fights um, you know go and see some of his kickboxing fights he is a Insanely fast, uh, very explosive, and he is accurate. Like he has accurate hands. He threw some neat stuff, um, but yeah, that's all there is to say about that, really. Okay, so that's me done for the week. Um, this weekend there is not a lot going on. I will be writing on Bloody Elbow about um, um, Joe Joyce versus Ilay um, Zhang. You know, which is the meeting of the big, slow horde tanks. Uh, which Joyce should win. Um, I've seen if I have a fight type preview, I can't promise it, um, but um, there will be um, something on Buddy Elbow from me on that and uh, live coverage. And, uh, you know, I will be back to cover it again to talk about it next week. Um, other than that, there isn't an awful lot happening um, next weekend. So, uh, yeah, follow me at Crafty Boxing uh, on the on Twitter. I always say that as if not every single person listening to the, this podcast hadn't already followed me on Twitter. Um, follow the fight site at the fight site, you know, likewise. And uh, follow our patron if you're not already in. Come join our Discord. Come see our shiny new, um, shiny patron exclusive stuff. And uh, I will see you next time.